Welcome everyone to the Faultline podcast. This is our pilot episode, hopefully the first of many. Uh, I'd like to introduce ourselves. I'm Alex Davis. I head up forecasting at Rethink TV. I'll be the sort of host for this this show. Uh, our main guest is Tommy Flanagan, the editor of Faultline. And I'm also joined by Rafi Cohen, who helps me out on the forecasting side of things and writes a bit for Faultline. So Faultline, as you should know, is our weekly uh, dive into the video news and without much further ado, because this is going to be nice and informal, hopefully, we're going to look at the latest edition. So, Tommy, um, could I ask you about what's been going on at the MPEG Association? Yeah, well, yeah. anyone in this industry should know who Leonardo is. I won't even attempt to pronounce his surname. But, yeah, absolute legend of the industry. And uh, that was quite an interesting story because we don't normally write about individuals in Faultline, but... But Leonardo is, is a legend, and about about two weeks ago he retired. He announced his retirement from MPEG in a uh, in a blog post, and I kind of sat on it for two weeks as as it kind of developed and spoke to some people. Um, so yeah, he's become quite um, well known for his hot headed blog posts, and he basically called the International Standards Organization a, a dinosaur, among other things, and he declared that the MPEG group was dead. Um, which obviously wasn't the case, um, so um, kind of we kind of had to, to strike a balance and be really careful about writing this story to celebrate his achievements um, as he retires, but also kind of understand why some people would be quite upset about what he what he said. Um, um, so basically, the powers that be kind of pushed him out, namely uh, Microsoft, I believe Gary uh, Sullivan, I think, is, is taking his place and and he was offered some sort of kind of uh, honorary positions that were that, I, that we suspect he, he found quite insulting mm-hmm. um so yeah the, the the mpeg name could be subject to change in the future that's all up in the air according to some people we spoke to um but technically nothing's going to change because mpeg 5 parts 1 and 2 uh, are already confirmed they're set in stone um so yeah, I think I, I I don't think much is is going to change for the, for the time being without Leonardo. Yeah. But um, I'm going to try and speak to some some people close to um, close to the ISO and see see what's going to happen. But uh, for some monetary um, context, the ISO this was responsible for driving around 1.5 trillion dollars in revenue, nice. which is uh, close to two percent of the entire gross world product. So yeah. Yeah, I mean, do we do we know if uh, there's going to be sort of wider impact on the kind of video codec um, ecosystem from from his sort of absence, uh, or you know if he gets involved in another project? Because uh, there's there's been this ongoing sort of codec war, and there's a few sort of newer recent entrants to the scene. I mean, the, MPEG is going to be around for a long time, regardless, right? But do you think that there's any sort of knock on effect from it? Um, not in, in the, in the short term, and it's quite hard to say, but interestingly, Leonardo was, um, a, a, a kind of opposer to, um, the Alliance for Open Media, which, um, as most people know, is, is the group that, that heads up the AV1 codec. And he 
in, and again, his, his fiery blog posts uh, have said in the past that these guys are going to take over the industry and put power into the hands of a, a few companies. So it will be interesting to see if without him behind MPEG, if, if these guys kind of um, have some influence over yeah. MPEG and, and um, the, the royalties. It all comes down to royalties at the end of the day. And um, yeah, yeah I don't know how that will play out. I guess we'll see how much of a, a driving force he was behind the, the project, yeah. whether it's you know not going to shift now that, that he's left. This is possibly a good time to touch on the third article um, in this week's edition of Fault Line, which is uh, Apple not really mentioning uh, VP9. And I guess that sort of ties in uh, to the sort of MPEG ISO uh, debate. But um, yeah, we've phrased it as toothless Apple forgets to mention vp9 support at lame wwdc so i'm wondering what, what, what's your sort of what's your feeling there tommy i haven't quite worked well out. yeah regular fault line readers will know that we do enjoy a bit of apple bashing um rafi nailed that quite well in, in one of his pieces this week as well but um yeah that it was it was underwhelming as most um wwdcs are um and i, I can't for the life of me figure out why Apple decided not to, to mention it. Maybe it was embarrassed to mention to, to kind of admit that it, it kind of jumped into bed with Google by adding VP9 mm. support. So um, for those who but, might not be familiar, just really quick, why why does Apple picking VP9 matter? It means, uh, oh, off the top of my head, that the that people Apple TV users can now stream YouTube content in 4K. I believe. <laughs> so uh, maybe a bit of a storm, storm in a teacup, or is this a sign of, um, you know, maybe a bit more kind of industry consolidation? Because uh, this is something that we've been writing about for years that that there should be consolidation, but sort of as as every sort of two years goes by, there, there seems to be another codec that we have to pay attention to. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Right. Um, so yeah, we mentioned Rafi's piece. So um, Rafi, you were uh, you were saying that Apple dicks over devs, Google, Facebook by sidelining uh, IDFA. So Rafi, what is IDFA? It's uh, it's 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 like a it's essentially like a code of numbers or something to identify how someone uh, interacts with an ad inside a application inside a mobile app. Um, and so people can tell whether if you're on an app and you see an, an ad, advertisement for another app, and then if you then go on to download the one you saw the advert for, it means that companies can track whether or not that was because you initially saw saw an ad for, for that app. And Apple have basically essentially changed the system by which it's done and called it something, the same thing is happening, but they've renamed it something else called SK Ad Network. And the only major difference is that now, instead of it being easily accessible, this information, companies have to apply to Apple to get it, essentially, which uh, I guess is unfortunate for Facebook and Google as their, I don't know, their massive advertising business mm. is slightly less easy than it was before. <laughs> well, I was going to say and that. Then for, de for developers, they have to re just remake something or recode something effectively for the same purpose. Yeah, sh I mean, we shouldn't really be feeling sorry for... Uh, Google and Facebook, right? I mean, they'll they'll be fine. But is there yeah. any kind of indication on how much work or how big a headache this is going to be for uh, iOS and I guess maybe macOS developers? Um, I, I'm not really sure to be honest. Uh, I don't know why. Yeah, I, I imagine some, but 
Yeah, I, I'm not sure. Yeah, it's it's Apple doing Apple things, really. It's, it's got a bit of a track yeah. record for this. Yeah, I love a fiddle. Yep. So um, the the other sort of uh, big pieces I think we've had this week is um, Microsoft has killed off its streaming platform, Nixer, and it's jumped into bed with Facebook. Uh, so that that market for video game streaming has gone from uh, four names to three, although one of our upcoming forecasts is going to uh, look at that sort of non-pay TV streaming world. And based on what we were seeing in there, uh, we can't really work out why Microsoft bothered trying to keep it alive for four years. Uh, I'm wondering, Tommy, are there any other standout pieces that, that our listeners should, should be paying attention to? Um, well, I had a, a good interview with a company, a startup company called Strivecast um, this week. We, we've been a bit slow on the the news front, so trying to speak to as many people as possible at the moment. Um, um, so Strivecast does um, P2P um, network uh, software, um, and P2P network is quite an interesting market. We've tried to follow quite closely with companies like Tel2 and Streamroot, which have um, kind of uh, gone a bit mainstream with CenturyLink and Liberty Global. Um, so yeah, they were founded in 2017 and they're doing cool things. Uh, Microsoft Teams, um, will be their uh, biggest customer, Swisscom as well. And, um, yeah, um, it, it, no, the, the P2P market kind of seems to have stalled, but, um, this, the, the co-founder, the CEO who I spoke to, see, seems to think that next year it will, it will kind of kick off again, uh, particularly in the enterprise CDN space for. For things like Microsoft Teams, so yeah, see that article um, for more detail on, on that technology. Yeah, yeah, and I guess we, we probably is a good time to, to move into our sort of worth noting section. And for those for those of you who have seen uh, an edition of Faultline, there's a, a fairly extensive roundup towards the end. But I'm wondering, Rafi, is there anything in there that sort of catches you or I or, or Tommy that you really want to bring up? Because a lot of the time we'd like to spend a thousand words on, on each of these entries, but there's not really uh, enough enough time in the week for us to, to tackle them all. But there's there's been a bit of a shift with um, Tencent and uh, Aichi. Yeah, so I was just finishing off the issue on uh, Thursday, yesterday, and that news came in. Um, I would hold the press moment um, before I was the editor and uh, um, our boss, Peter, was uh, the editor and when we were in the office, there'd be hold the press moments where he'd, he'd, uh, a big new, bit of news would come in and I'd have to stop everything I was doing, down tools and write a story on, on something. It was almost days. like that, but um, <laughs> but I uh, didn't have time to squeeze in a story, so just chucked it at the top of worth noting. But that will probably get a follow-up next week on a, on a bigger piece on the impacts that will have on the um, Southeast Asian streaming market. Because, yeah, that's a big deal. Yeah, yeah, um, that is a market that we, we definitely want to get better at uh, looking at but it's very difficult to get into China uh, especially to get them to speak to us so yeah, a lot of it is uh, being on the outside and looking in um, Rafi I'm wondering if there's anything in here that, that caught your eye um, just having a look. <laughs> he hasn't read it <laughs> <laughs> Outed, um, yeah I mean the the big one um, is uh, Comcast's uh, Q2 performance I think um, it, it's looking at another half million video subscriber cancellations and it it's just a continuous downward trend and the launch of, of peacock i'm not sure is going to be enough to sort of change things um and turn things around there and i i think maybe um tommy we, we haven't spent much time on dazone or dazen as, as most people oh, yeah. but that's still not going well right the sports streaming firm 
yeah, the zone is um, losing a, a bunch of money um, by all accounts, but it has just spent big on some um, cut price Bundesliga rights. Um, so it, yeah, it, it's struggling, but I don't see any reason why it can't um, come back uh, with a vengeance. Uh, with live sports coming back now, so I think there's hope for the zone. Yeah, uh, Rafi. What? Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> what? What? In worth noting is is catching your eye. Um, like Sirius XM, they've um they've acquired another podcast company, and we interviewed one of the subsidiaries, as was um a few months back, which is like a programmatic platform for podcasts. Obviously, everyone's uh, expecting a massive podcast is seen as the I mean obviously everyone's getting still excited about OTT but podcasts are kind of seen as the new the new frontier for advertising in a way it's where lots of people are spending their time and so SiriusXM are just I own seem to own a lot of players in podcasts and podcast advertising and they've just um, acquired another company which is Simplecast which is like a management and analytics platform yeah, um, it looks like we might end up with another sort of cold war there because Spotify is the other firm that's made big moves, and Spotify. Oh yeah, they're uh, getting loads of exclusives now, aren't they? Yeah, they spent apparently a hundred million dollars to get Joe Rogan uh, to move across. But the the sort of the wrinkle in Spotify is that they are moving the rest of the ecosystem away from RSS feeds being the main distribution. So the benefit there is that they can do dynamic ad insertion so it means that each ad spot becomes a lot more valuable because you can do it as people stream podcasts from spotify whereas the rss approach means that the ad insertion is finalized at the point of download so there's a a sort of subtle difference there in that the adverts are almost real time if you're streaming them and yeah I, i guess we have to see if if it pans out if if that is something that that can kind of differentiate it if they can build a a larger business on on the back of their music streaming rather than cool. just the sort of podcast bit. But yeah, worth, worth noting that Sirius XM is owned by Liberty Media, which is of course John Malone, uh, John Malone's company, the, the famous cable cowboy. Yep, yeah, he's got his fingers in a lot of pies, and uh, mm-hmm. yeah, I think right that is probably good place to sort of wrap up the uh, the pilot episode of the Faultline podcast um tommy where can people find out about Faultline if they've somehow stumbled across this uh rethinkresearch.biz you will find us out on twitter and linkedin and all that so i'll give a, I'll give a little teaser for next week actually yeah. before we go so um uh, we've got a couple of interviews in next week uh i'm speaking to the ceo of a company called sweeper which does uh, Wi-Fi software um, that came about after I upset them a few weeks back by calling them cheesy in a headline um, because you've got to see this video on their website it's hilarious um, basically there's a kid who gets stroppy about um, about the Wi-Fi while he's gaming um, and he goes and complains to his dad um, while he's complaining to his dad his mum asks the voice assistant what the problem is and she uh, she finds out that there's a um, that the gaming server is busy and then magically the software fixes the oven <laughs> which had a broken component in the oven and then they all dance around the kitchen eating cookies um so, <laughs> I, mean, so I, um, I would love a gigabit ethernet oven like don't get me wrong yeah but uh yeah, yeah. that'd be awesome so having said that i am reliably informed that they do actually have some pretty cool wi-fi software and they've, they've worked with air ties um who 
who we know well as the, the pioneers of um, mesh Wi-Fi. So looking forward to that. And also speaking to the CEO of Machine Pro after um, a, a totally underwhelming webinar um, this week where we had to sit through 40 minutes of informer types blowing smoke up each other before actually hearing from the CEO. So um, that, that article caught his attention and doing a follow-up. Excellent. Next week, so yeah, well, get more detail on what those guys are up to. We will look forward to discussing that next week on the second episode of the Fotline Podcast. But for those of you that are still with us, um, thanks very much. We'll we'll hopefully see you uh, on a weekly basis now. But for the three of us, it's uh, goodbye. Cheers, then.